welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I am, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 106th episode, our returning guest is Jonathan Fowler. You first heard Jonathan Fowler on episodes 2, 10, 20, 21, 29, 30, 31, 32, 34, 35, 43, 48, 51, 56, 64, 74, 83, 92, 102, 103, 104, 105, and episode 82, also featuring fellow regular guest Ash Burgess of the podcast. Jonathan graduated with a BA in history from Indiana University in 2006. He's an unabashed left-wing political junkie. He has lived and worked in South Korea for over 10 years, trying to help the citizens of that great nation hopefully talk pretty one day. And now, on to the show. Hey, what's up? Hey. What's going on? I don't know. Not a whole lot. I had a meeting with some students tonight. Mm. <laughs> How'd the meeting go? Oh, we drank a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. pretty typical for Korea, though, right? Yeah. Perhaps part of the culture. Mixing work with drinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I gotta be honest, I'm pretty drunk here. <laughs> That's no problem. I've been reading a book lately. From my book club. I started reading a book about Korean like living in Korea, I guess. How's it going? Oh, about eighty pages in. It's interesting. It's a novel, but it's based on a guy's experiences in Korea from 1997. Hmm. Was there a movie we saw about that? Um, I don't think so. Um, I remember a movie you and I watched where a guy went to another country to like teach English or something, and they got him a cake on the 4th of July. Really? Yeah. I don't remember the name of the movie. I don't think what this movie would have been. That sounds unfamiliar. Anyway. We had a special meeting today for some of the students. You had a special meeting? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the last Friday where we're going to have class of the month because we have class every other Friday. What about The Wire? <laughs> Yeah, what about it? How far in are you? Uh, two and some change episodes in. That's all. Mm-hmm. You mentioned you were two episodes in several days ago on Facebook. Yeah. Well. Hmm. <laughs> I don't have as much time to watch The Wire as I used to in my life. <laughs> oh, should have watched it sooner. Probably. <laughs> Yeah, so which characters are you gravitating towards? They're all compelling. They're all well-rounded characters. I'm enjoying all of them. I can't really think of anybody I don't want to know more about, so... Hmm. Alec Bunk, he seems to have a good sense of humor. Yeah, but he drinks too much. (laughs) They all seem to drink too much, though. Yeah. Hmm. 
you got to you got to make a you got to reach a kind of a headway in that material. Mm-hmm. So you're not impressed with my progress? You said you tried to watch it again before, and mm-hmm. you only made it like several episodes in or something, right? Yeah, I've seen further than where I'm at now. Hmm. In the past. I don't get it. It's didn't grab me. It's a very gripping, gripping show. I don't know. I got to say, when I was back there that one time, and I tried to watch... Uh, was it Friday Night Lights, right? Mm-hmm. I had some difficulty with the first episode just because there was. I felt like the, I, I still feel like the first episode of Friday Night Lights was really fast and a lot of lingo and jargon and stuff. Mm-hmm. It didn't lend itself to like easy viewing, but like after you got past the first couple episodes of Friday Night Lights, it became easier to understand what was going on. Mm-hmm. I think it's similar with, to some degree, with uh, this show. With the wire, you mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I get the concepts they're going for, though. I mean, it's not a world I'm familiar with specifically, but I understand the general concept of, like, you know, the drug game is probably a lot like franchising to McDonald's and people on the bottom aren't, you know, doing so well, but the people at the top are, and they're doing the least amount of work. So. Yeah, but I just think, like, two episodes in, though, you can't say you understand the wire at two episodes. I've read, uh, what was that guy? His writing before David Simon. I think I understand his uh, worldview. He was a beat reporter for the Baltimore Sun. He also wrote a book that was the basis for Homicide, Life on the Street. Yeah, I haven't read his writing, but I've watched all of his shows and stuff, except for, like, I haven't gone all the way through Treme. Yeah, I've seen a little bit of Treme. Yeah, I watched, like, the first season, but... It was like a slow, really, really slow kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't finish it, but, but supposedly that John Goodman character is uh, based on a real guy. Hmm. Did he really die? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> I don't know. You gotta, you gotta get more than two episodes into the show. <laughs> What do you think I'm missing? <laughs> oh, about 97 episodes. <laughs> it's not that many, is there? There's only five seasons, right? Yeah, okay, 50, 48 episodes. Yeah, that's not so bad. No, I'm saying, though, like, like the first episode or two are almost kind of throwaways. Like when I first got to the first two episodes, I was kind of like, you know... Okay, it's a little slow and boring, but I like the theme song and stuff. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I don't know. I just think you got to get deeper, deeper, deeper. Into it. <laughs> I'm worried that you're not going to get deeper into it right now. But like, I don't know. Yeah, it's. it's I would say it's in the top two with the Sopranos. And much better than uh, Breaking Bad. Hmm. I think I saw on Facebook your mom said, "Is it like, is it as good as Breaking Bad?" And I'm like, thinking, "Oh, it's much, much better." Well, I didn't say it was much yeah. better. Huh? 
I didn't say it was much better. No, I was thinking it was much, much better. <laughs> you haven't watched more than the first couple episodes, though. Okay. Or how many? How many did you watch before? I watched most of the first season before, and I was not gripped by it. Hmm. It's really weird. Yeah, I don't know. No accounting for taste, I guess. But you you didn't see the kind of the uh, the DMX versus Jay Z dichotomy between between Barksdale and Stringer Bell. Sure. That didn't grip you. I've seen Shakespeare. I know what's good. <laughs> oh. This is, this is different than Shakespeare. This is DMX versus Jay-Z. You don't think that's this Shakespearean? Like, that was part of the plot of uh, Grand Theft Auto 4. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not willing to like give it a final grade or whatever. I'm just saying I, I continue to be underwhelmed by it compared to what everyone else wants me to feel for it. This is why I'm scared to watch it, because everyone's expecting me to have this magical experience, and maybe it'll happen, but, you know, it also might not happen. You haven't even gotten to the second season yet, have you? No, not yet. I will. The second, the second season is about union workers on the, the stevedores. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The, the second season, honestly, a lot of people don't like as well as the first and third season, yeah, I've heard that complaint before. But it is a it's a unique uh, season that has its own appeals. Hmm. And the uh, the character, one of the main characters, goes on to act in Generation Kill, I think, or whatever it was called. Yeah, I did not see that. I was totally shocked when I saw that that was the same actor because he plays like totally different characters. Hmm. Anyways, I don't know. Yeah, I had a thing with my my student and some of my coworker students tonight. Hmm. Yeah, we drank a lot. Hmm. I ended up dropping my phone when I got home and I cracked the screen, so I've got to replace my phone screen tomorrow. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, not a major crack, but still. Out of character. <laughs> was the case off? No, the case was on when I dropped it hard, though, I guess. Hmm. I think, like, it was attached to a portable charger, and the charger cord got caught on the door somehow, and it, like, smacked it down harder than expected. Hmm. Hopefully you can get that repaired. Yeah, I think I can. If the place is open tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. But if not, I'll do it whenever I can find a moment to do it, though. Right. and I've been watching is uh, this Cobra Kai show on YouTube Red. Um, they just finished with the first season and they've, I been, believe, been picked up for a second to at this point. So, Yeah, I haven't seen that show. 
Did you see the original Karate Kid movie? Yeah, probably like in elementary school. Yeah, I mean, it came out in 1984, so. Um, but, yeah, they basically, it's like 30 years later for all the characters from that are still alive from that movie. Was Cobra Kai the bad guy? Yes. That was the bad dojo. <laughs> and he's still a bully like 30 years later or whatever? Yeah, he's kind of a loser, though. And Daniel LaRusso is, has his own like, car dealership and stuff, so he's very successful now. <laughs> and he uses karate in his ads. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a good show. Hmm. It's not a total nostalgia trip, either. Like, Ash had no nostalgia for it because she didn't watch the movies growing up, but... She still enjoyed the like plots that they like weaved in with the kids of the you know young people from the original movie. Like the the Larusso children have their own story storylines, and you know there's other younger people. So I watched the original movies, but I can't remember when I watched them, and I don't remember the story really. Mm-hmm. Didn't they remake those movies recently with like uh, Will Smith or something? Will Smith, executive, produced a remake starring Jaden Smith and Jackie Chan. Okay. They show up in this TV show then? No. I, I uh, think this basically assumes that neither the remake nor the sequels existed. I believe it just like works in the world of this is the first movie and then 30 years later to the same people. Hmm. Been a lot of that going on lately with uh, Roseanne Barr. And, oh my gosh! Yeah, Twin Peaks. Yeah, I haven't watched the Twin Peaks. You'll be shocked to learn. Um, but um, I, I watched a little bit of Roseanne. It was terrible. I haven't watched any Roseanne. So bad, and I, I really didn't like the original anyway. And I think that Roseanne is just off a rocker and I always have um the only redeeming qualities are like the side character people I like John Goodman um you know the daughter whatever her name is the sister she's she's fun in spaces you know but the sister yeah. uh, is supposed to be like the resistance woman who voted for Jill Stein um and then the daughter of whatever her name was, she's like also supposed to be a liberal, I think. But then the Roseanne Barr character and also the whatever her husband are supposed to be like Trump supporters. Mm. So hey, yeah. I don't know. I remember the daughter and sister a little bit from the 90s, but I, you know, we didn't really have a TV back then, so I didn't get to see much of it. But I'm vaguely aware of their characters, so. Mm-hmm. And I haven't watched the reboot. Yeah. I don't think Roseanne deserves any support. You no. Know, if, if you'd gone off the, uh, the anti-vaxxer tip and all that shit, like, I mean, like, no, you're not getting my money. You're not getting my meals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, you know, she's yeah. one of these people that never really seems to stick, though. Like, no matter how many crazy things she supports, somehow. I mean, it's because she's successful, I think. 
like it's it's its own momentum now. I think we should get Rosie O'Donnell to come back and play the Roseanne character. Hmm. I think that'd be more. Funny. You think that would really like make Trump mad? Yeah. <laughs> so. That really would. I guess when uh, old uh, Spicy was played by Melissa McCarthy, um, he considered firing Sean Spicer because he had been portrayed as a woman. Hmm. Oh, or by a woman. Season. Did you see the season finale of Saturday Night Live the other day? Uh, no, I saw the Childish Gambino video. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, I don't know. Uh, what's it called? This Is Us? Oh, This Is America? Oh, I thought it was a TV show. This Is Us is, yeah, is a TV it. show, but I think you're thinking of a song by Childish Gambino with an accompanying music video called This Is America. Oh, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, what do you think of that? Uh... I'll have to go back through and like get the lyrics and stuff, but it seemed like it was kind of like a little bit too. I don't know. I mean, what am I supposed to think? Like he's going through these different situations, shooting people. Uh, I don't know. Is it supposed to be like a school shooting thing? I mean, I don't know. I, I I'll I'll have to rewatch it. Maybe about a touch or whatever. But hmm. I thought it was more like the Charleston uh, church shooting okay but the but the main character of the video is black yeah so but he shoots up a black yeah. choir okay is this is this like a Chicago thing is this like a Republican talking point I don't know I don't think he meant it that way okay because black on black violence in Chicago is a huge thing that Republicans always harp on so it, it, I mean I may have missed, you know. But most of those guns come I, from Indiana, which has very lax gun laws, so. But that didn't come across in the video, though. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know how else he was supposed to communicate that message. I mean, he is black, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he, I mean, if, if his message is about the Charleston shooting, I don't think he has to be the main character of the video then, though. I don't know. I, I need to rewatch it. I watched it like once or twice, trying to figure out what it's about and stuff. And yeah, I watched oh, it, it twice. Like, I yeah, I mean, first time was just for the shock value of the you know when the guy first guy he shoots. Um, that immediately lets you know it's kind of like Clockwork Orange. Like there's some ultra violence in store. Um, you know, and then sort of, but. Yeah, but know. but he's it's also like he's like dancing in a very exaggerated way. That's supposed to be a comment on on trucking and driving. Um, hmm. So I don't know. It's it's got a lot of layers to it. Not necessarily a, a fun video to watch. It's deeply unsettling, actually. Yeah, I'll have to check it out again. I need to like go through the lyrics of the song exactly, but like. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, we just had another school shooting in America, so... We did. If only we wouldn't have had so many doors. Uh, Could have prevented this.
we need to get down to one or two entrances into our schools. You have the necessary exits for fire, of course, but we have to funnel our students uh, into our schools so we can put eyes on them. This young man showed up with a trench coat, which he wore often, I've learned, uh, and he had a gun under it. And he, and he came through one of the entrances undetected. You know, the Israelis have, 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 have three focus on security, and that is to deter, detect, and deny. And we have too many people who can get onto our school campuses with guns who are not deterred and are, and are not detected. So I'm proposing that our new school designs are built that way and we retrofit our schools. The average age of schools in, tech in America, Jake, are 44 years old. Uh, schools weren't designed and built you know, 40 mm. and 50 years ago to deal with today's issues. So we can harden those targets and make it more difficult. Yeah, I think the rocks falling in the ocean are causing global warming. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the gentleman from Alabama, Mr. Brooks, is recognized for his questions. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Ever since human beings have been on the planet, sea levels have risen relative to ground levels. Why is that? Any of you can opine as you wish. Well, I'd be happy to address that. Um, sea levels over the last three million years have gone up and down uh, in line with the cycles of uh, ice ages uh, and interglacials, and I can ex expound on the science of that if you wish. Uh, the recent, uh, the last 100-year increase in sea level rise, as I mentioned earlier, has uh, clearly been uh, attributed to uh, human activities, uh, greenhouse that gas emissions. That was a good question. I appreciate your wanting to expound on that. Yeah. My statement is that since human beings have been on Earth, sea levels have risen. What are the factors that have caused it to rise? Well, as, as I said, uh, sea levels have gone up and down. Uh, I'm talking net, not fluctuations. Over Let's assume for a moment that what you're talking about has some kind of factual, rational basis for it, uh, that ice has melted. Are there other factors? No, look, you know, looking No, there at, are not other factors? Looking yes at the no? history of sea level rise uh, is, is, very, uh, is very informative. And we, one of the things we see, for example, is that the last time uh, the global temperature was as high as it is... Hey, Dr. Duffy, you're not answering my question again. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm conceding for the moment that there has been ice meltage compared to what it was three million years ago, whatever, since that's the time frame you use. I'm asking another question, that is, what other factors have caused the sea levels to rise relative to dry land? Does anyone else have any? I mean, in okay, particular, you, Dr. Duffy, you said but, that they're going to be massive. Isn't that the word that you use in your uh, remarks? Massive sea level rises. Don't you think if you're going to have that kind of statement, you ought to have some idea as to what all the causes of sea level rises have been sure. since and human if, beings if, have been if on you're, Earth? If you're referring to ground subsidence, uh, that is a factor in some regions. Okay. What else? That's one. So now we've gotten two. What else? Ground subsidence is not going to cause uh, the levels of sea level rise that arouse my concern. I'm just asking for factors. I, would not, I was not asking for your prioritizing of one over the other. But you've mentioned two. What else? Those are all that I know of. What about erosion? Every single year that we're on Earth, you have huge tons of silt deposited by the Mississippi River, by the Amazon River, by the Nile, by every major river system, and for that matter, creek, all the way down to the smallest systems. 
And every time you have that soil or rock, or whatever it is that is deposited into the seas, that forces the sea levels to rise because now you've got less space in those oceans uh, because the bottom is, is moving up. Um, what about um, I'm, I'm pretty the, sure the White that Cliffs a, of Dover, uh, California, uh, where you have the waves crashing against the shorelines and time and time again you're having the cliffs crash into the sea. All of that displaces water, which forces it to rise, does it not? I'm pretty sure that on human timescales, those are minuscule uh, effects. Okay, well, let's talk about ice for a moment. Where is most of the ice located on planet Earth? Antarctic ice sheet. And how much? I don't, I don't have a number in my head. Do you have a rough estimation or idea the, of how the much amount the of ice, ice is The amount Antarctica? of ice in the Antarctic ice uh, ice sheet, if melted, would raise global sea level by 200 feet. I'm not asking how feet. much. Okay, you keep Well, you going. did ask you, how much. You don't ask the, answer the question. My question is, how much of the ice on the Earth is in Antarctica? I'm not asking you to expound on anything else. I'm trying to limit you to that particular question. Don't know the answer. Do you have any idea? I wouldn't want to speculate in this forum. Well, would it surprise you if it's as high as 85 to 90 percent, that that's generally where the estimates are of the total amount of ice on Earth is in Antarctica? It would not surprise me. And would it surprise you to know that as global uh, temperatures rise, assuming for the moment that they do, that that actually increases the amount of ice that is collected on Antarctica? That's not true, sir. That's not true. Well, I made a trip down to Antarctica and met with National Science Foundation scientists, and they all agreed with global warming, and they emphasized that you're going to have an increase in the amount of ice in Antarctica because of global warming. Now, have you ever studied, I understand you studied climate, but how, do, how about meteorology? Have you ever studied meteorology? I have, and, and I'll... Okay, so you we understand have, that as the temperature we gets have warmer, satellite records, contain, sir, wait we a have, second, please, uh, you've answered my question. I, I don't want you to orate mm -hmm. because I have limited time. Uh, if, the, if the chair would uh, please permit, uh, as I try to get this point across. Okay, with that objection, the gentleman is recognized for another 30 seconds. Do you understand that as temperatures rise, more moisture is contained in the atmosphere, and then that moisture in Antarctica collects on land, and it takes hundreds and hundreds of years for that ice that is deposited on Antarctica to actually ever even reach the shoreline where it touches the oceans where it can affect, uh, in some way, uh, sea level increases? We have satellite records uh, clearly documenting a, a shrinkage of the Antarctic ice sheet and an acceleration of that shrinkage. I, I'm sorry, but I don't know where you're getting your information, but the scientific data well, that I have National seen National Snow and Ice Data Center. Well, okay, I'm talking the National NASA Aeros and Aeronautics okay. and Space Administration. Well, you, I've got a NASA base in my district, and apparently they're telling you one thing and, and me a different thing, but there are plenty of studies that have come out that show that with respect to Antarctica, that the total ice sheet, particularly that above land, is increasing, not decreasing. Now, you can make a different argument if you want to talk about Greenland or, or the Arctic. But that having been said, thank you, Mr. Chairman, you. for the Thank you, Mr. Butch. So, yeah, Republican thoughts. This is how they think. <laughs> you never know what they're going to say yeah. next. It's almost got to be more difficult to be a Democrat than it is to be a, like a Republican to be a Democrat. It's almost got to be more difficult to be a Republican than it is to be a Democrat because you have to you have to come up with answers that are counterfactual, right? I mean, you've actually got to do your homework to be a Republican, right? I mean, you've got to, like, find a thing that violates the laws of, you know, the world, basically, physics and science and everything, to explain your, your reasoning. Yeah. Wouldn't it be more easier for them to just, like, say, oh, 
okay, this is what the actual science says. I'll just go with that. But I have a snowball in Congress. Look, global warming's fake. See? Of uh, national attention. And in, in case we have forgotten, because we keep hearing that 2014 has been the warmest year on record, I asked the chair, you know what this is? It's a snowball. And that's just from outside here. So it's very, very cold out, very unseasonal. So here, Mr. President, catch this. Mm hmm. It's like a Calvin and Hobbes comic where he like, puts a snowball in the freezer in like, December and he goes out and helps Susie Q with it in May or something. And he's like, see? Global warming, bitch. <laughs> he doesn't say that, but, you know, that's, that's the Republican version of the Calvin and Hobbes comic. Right, right. <clears throat> mm hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it's supposed to be saying, and I think it's like not needlessly pro provocative, but I, you know, I I don't know what his solution no. is exactly. I don't know. Some of the students over here have mentioned that video too, and they're like, "What well, teacher? Have you seen that?" I'm like, "Yeah, I saw it." I'm like, "Oh, okay." But I think they just think like America is a very violent place. I don't think they understand like. Well, it's not necessarily wrong, is it? I don't know. Yeah, basically, but like, you know, we lived there for 24 years and never got shot, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you never know. I don't know. I mean, when you come from a country that doesn't allow private gun ownership, that's an easy comment to take away, but. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to, you know, I need to try to understand, I guess, more about what that song was trying to say. I think it was also the video coupled with it, because, like, after he does the shooting, they always take the gun very gingerly offset in the, like, very, like, fancy red velvet, you know, just very careful with it. Um... Which is maybe a metaphor for how we, you know, treat guns in the wake of shootings. The gun sales go up. Okay. You know. Okay, so kind of like, yeah, it's not the gun's fault or something, that kind of thing. Sure. I'll rewatch it, but I don't know. It didn't didn't blow me away as an extremely deep thing, but I maybe mm -hmm. something. I mean, he was ambitious. Like he, he was trying to do something, obviously, and not everybody does that. So, yeah. Um, what was I thinking of? Um, I don't know. Like um, Tallahassee Coates, for example, mm -hmm. is I think somebody similar to Childish Gambino in a way. Hmm. Um, Why do you say that? I don't know. Well, they're both black. Okay, we'll start there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, I think I think sometimes he really, 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 really reaches for something. He's trying to go deep, 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 right? But I don't think he always gets there. Hmm. Like, I mean, after the latest bullshit from fucking Kanye West, he wrote this story about, like, you know, uh, Kanye's just trying to be white, you know? He's just trying to have the freedom that white people have by defending Trump. Uh, but actually, you know, it's really deep. He's going all the way deep. I'm like, 
No. Maybe, maybe, maybe Kanye is just an idiot. <laughs> it, this doesn't have to be like a, you know, he's a black guy and he's so oppressed that he, he wanted to be like a white guy who's free to just like a bad politician. It's like, no. Maybe, maybe Kanye is just jealous that Jay-Z had his Obama. And Kanye is not patient enough to wait for another 48 years to get his presidential endorsement. So he's like, he wants to take the next president there is, which is Trump. And he doesn't care about anything else. And he's, he's out of touch enough with his people that, you know, this obviously racist president is like appealing to him. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't, I didn't like the article where uh, Tom Nazi Coates was trying to square that circle and say that actually, you know, <laughs> that uh, Kanye West supporting Trump is actually like a black power statement or something. I'm like, no, it's not. My God. That's not what I took away from that article, though. Okay, how did you read it? Well, I thought he made more comparisons with Michael Jackson, um, with Kanye West, that I thought was actually interesting. Well, I thought his his comparisons with Michael Jackson were bullshit, too, because he was saying... Like about how Michael Jackson wanted to be white. I didn't get that because Michael Jackson had a skin disease, which I think I have too. I've got like white spots on my knees and my legs, my shins. And but the thing was, Michael Jackson had that shit on his face. And like once your face starts going white, like I know a girl who Nigerian from college, and her face started going white too, and her whole body went white. And it's like but the thing is, once your body starts going white like that. If you let parts and, like, splotches of it go white and you don't change the whole thing, I mean, it's going to be weird. I'm a white guy. I've got, like, white spots on my shins and stuff. If I had it on my face and it was, like, affecting part of it, plus I was black, like, I'd be wanting to change the whole thing just for consistency's sake. So I didn't buy the whole thing about how his mom said that, like, Michael Jackson wanted to be white. Well, he also did what he did to his nose, too, so... No, it wasn't just his skin. I mean, he also changed the shape of his face. Well, the shape of his nose, I mean, I don't know what the thing was in in the 1980s or whatever with Hollywood and plastic surgery, but, like, I mean, like, I mean, look at Donatello Versace or something. I mean, like, lots of people have had bad plastic surgery. It doesn't mean they were all trying to, like, alter their racial identity necessarily. Hmm. I don't know. So the thing where his mom said that Michael Jackson was trying to be white, I didn't buy that because I've always seen that as kind of like a, I mean, that's, I've heard that as something that like people say about Michael Jackson, like in not a good way or something. I I don't know. I just, like as somebody who's had like a skin discoloring disease, like myself to some degree, to a limited degree, very limited degree. Um, I've never bought the idea that Michael Jackson dyeing his skin white in some way was not a response to a, you know, a massively affecting disease that was affecting his face, which thank God I haven't had to deal with. But, um, so I, I didn't re- you know, so that, that seemed like a, I don't know the the whole, basically that whole Tallahassee Coates article. I used to like Tallahassee Coates. He used to like, you know, write articles on on the Atlantic Wire, the Atlantic or whatever, and then, like, he'd be in the comment section dealing with people and talking to people personally and stuff. I like that. But Mm. I think, like, I don't know. Lately, I think he's just been going. uh, I don't know. 
I don't know. It's just been a kind of like a. There's been a, a a level of degree to his writing that I think is extreme, and not in like a, a reasonable way, but like an extreme way. You know, an extreme extreme. Well, he advocates for extreme ideas, so I feel like he probably has to be extreme to uh, if you're going to advocate for radical things. Um, I mean, he wants he's in favor of reparations, which I'm you know I'm also in favor of, but it's a radical idea in our society. Yeah, I think I think reparations. I mean, there's an argument to be made there, but like this thing about how you know, I don't know. I think there's a there's a he, he puts an emphasis on race that overrides all socioeconomic status arguments, which I don't fundamentally agree with. I guess you could say like. You know, if you read his article, sometimes it comes across that, like, a black person born in the upper middle class still has less privilege than a lower class white person. Well, I can tell you why that is. I mean, there, there's a there's a causal reason for that, because if you're a black person, even somebody that's born to great wealth or privilege, you get less chance to make mistakes. Like, you cannot you cannot fall down ever the way a white person could. That's the difference. It's not, it's not where you start from because you can start in a high echelon and, and be, you know, all the way flat on your face in one generation. If you're black, more likely because I don't know. I think you, I think you get, I think you get more chances to make it up. You know, you get more chances to, to do have a do over a mulligan, uh, than, you know, a white person does. Well, look at, look at Will Smith's kids. I mean, they, I mean, I, I, I disagree. I mean, I think, I think like I'm more on the, the Bernie Sanders thing where it's like, you know, uh, I don't know. I think socioeconomic stuff is more trans, you know, transracial. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, like, um, like, I mean, I think we can, okay, let's say like, for example, Dennis Rodman. I mean, how many chances have he had? But he's famous. I mean, that's different. Exactly. That's the socioeconomic aspect. But he doesn't represent most people that are black men. But that, but that's the point. Like according to Tallahassee Coates, your socioeconomic status doesn't matter. If you're black, like you get one chance and you fucked up and it's over. But if you're a white, like you know, trailer trash person, you can have like a million chances. And if you go to a job interview, you always get a callback or something. And I'm like, I just don't. I, I think that's an extreme uh, <laughs> characterization of that argument. Well, I'm extremely drunk right now. <laughs> But my point is that over the years, I've developed a, uh, I don't know, I was extremely pro Ta-Nehisi Coates at first, but, like, lately I've kind of come around and, like, seen that, like, especially, like, articles like the one defending Kanye West about how Kanye West's defense of Trump is actually an example of something else, like, other than what it seems like, I'm like, no. Wait, are you still talking about the Ta-Nehisi Coates piece? Yeah, about Kanye West. I didn't see that as a defense of Kanye West. Did you? you see that? Just an explanation of what he saw going on, I guess. What I see going on is that Kanye West is pissed off at Barack Obama for calling him a jackass. 
when he was like when he was you know Jay Z and Beyonce's best friend. Yeah. Kanye since then has wanted to have his own presidential best friend, uh-huh. and he realized that Donald Trump is so desperate to have a black friend that he'll like he'll take any celebrity, especially and particularly a black celebrity uh-huh. who's willing to overlook everything he's ever said and ever done, uh-huh. and. So it's it's a totally a marriage of convenience for the two of them. It's a, I'll give yes, I'll give you that. It's a marriage of convenience. I think it's more about. I think Kanye was serious when he said he's running for president in 2020, and I think he's seen Trump, who is also a reality TV star, like him, like his family, uh, becoming president doesn't seem so far fetched anymore. Um, so I think there that also plays into it. It's like his own egomania and seeing, oh, I haven't. And that's the scarier thing is that not who Trump is. It's more like who's going to come after Trump and use his playbook. Because I guarantee there's, we've just opened the lid on who's going to be the type of person that runs for president going forward. I don't, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure the Republicans won't switch back to a, you know, a respectable Republican next time, quote unquote. We'll see. I would bet the other way. Well, I mean, Trump may still have a chance in 2020 because his ass hasn't been involved. Well, it doesn't yet. mean he won't, they won't have some primary challengers. But it won't be. Trust me, nobody can out-Trump Trump. Yeah, but what about uh, what about Johnson in 68? You know? Uh-huh. Johnson in 68? Um, I mean, he was an incumbent. He didn't run again. Well, yeah, he chose not to, but he had some shame. That's true. <laughs> I'll give you that. Donald Trump, like, the day after he won the nomination, he already started, like, he already registered the Trump 2020 or whatever. He yeah. Already yeah, well, Mike Pence also out. registered his Super PAC uh, right around the same time, too, so he's got his eyes on another prize. Yeah, but Pence is not going to out-Trump Trump. He's not even going to try. He's going to be the reasonable Republican alternative to Trump. But that may put him in position down the road. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Trump's, I mean, Pence is too Christian to be Trump. (laughs) Outwardly Christian. He tolerates a lot. I mean, for a guy that won't dine with anyone but mother, uh, you know. It doesn't make him tolerant. No, absolutely not. But it does mean that he is willing to overlook certain things if it's convenient. Like, he said that, you know, all these things about, uh, you know, during the Clinton scandal, you know, and we can can go back and play the tape on so many Republicans from back then. And and you look at what he says now with, you know, it's nobody's business and all this. So, you know. There's been a lot of talk, particularly by... Donald Trump, but also sometimes by you about the accusers in Bill Clinton's past. And I guess my question is, voters are trying to figure this out. And it's really difficult. And you have claims on all sides. Do you think, in fairness, that the Donald Trump accusers and the Bill Clinton accusers, who we saw at the debate the other night that Mm -hmm. Donald Trump uh, brought, do you think they're all entitled to the same presumption of believability? That they're telling the truth, all of them? Well, I think we should always take these kind of allegations seriously and respectfully. But, uh, but in the case of, of Bill Clinton, uh, Bill Clinton actually admitted to being involved with a 23-year-old intern at the White House named Monica Lewinsky when he was president. Bill Clinton actually paid a settlement 
uh, of over eight hundred thousand dollars to one of those women. This, the, Donald Trump the, has the, paid in a very paid real settlements. sense. These, the claims against Bill Clinton now for decades have been quite well chronicled in books and in history. They've been quite well substantiated, and frankly, those women have gotten scant attention this year or in previous years from many in the mainstream media. So, my my view is that that you know those claims have largely been established through the record of history. That, but the people need to know that the, these unsubstantiated allegations have been completely denied by Donald Trump, and we're simply not going to allow this campaign to be drawn off to s defending slander and lies. We're going to focus on the things that will make America great. It's very convenient that he's changed his... extended interview with Jake Tapper? Uh, is this where he talked over the playback from years ago, saying yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, they tried to get him on the hypocrisy tip because, like, he was like, <laughs> uh, you know, if they subpoena uh, Bill Clinton, he's got to come in. I mean, you got to come in when the prosecutor, like me, summons you. you got to come in. He's like, Donald Trump doesn't got to come in for a prosecutor summons the grand jury. <laughs> you know, no. It's like, it's like, oh, this is so unfair, Jack Tapper. What are you doing? Why, when asked about that situation in 1998, did you say, President can't duck a subpoena. Well, if you get subpoenaed, you got to comply. You got to go. He can't. He can't. I never heard of a subpoena for the president's person. Well, you said exactly that. No, no. Subpoena, and you went on to say, Chris, that, Chris, let's distinguish between a subpoena for documents and a subpoena that takes the president out of the Oval Office and puts him in front of a grand jury or hearing. Can't do it. Can't do it. The second. You can do the first. Well, you never president, did that distinction before. Well, I never, I never, never, never occurred to me they would try to subpoena the president. He, that's exactly what was going on in 1998. But and people are going to say I'm making this and up. They here's, here's Charlie Rose with you in the interview, and, and you tell me what oh, you meant. Come on. What you don't want to hear? It's it? Not even relevant. If no. the president is asked to testify, subpoenaed. That's to really unfair. What you're doing right now is extremely unfair. No, I'm giving you a chance to explain it. Oh, not going to do it. With all that, yeah, that promoting of Avenatti, the ambulance. What happens if Robert Mueller? What does that have to do with this? President? Because they're all trying to bring Trump into that, and he's not involved in it, Chris. Look, Avenatti has been getting fed information that has wound up being more true than not, mostly about Michael Cohen. Okay, uh, what he's doing on TV—that's his business and the people who put him on. I'm talking to you about this, and it matters. And I played that, people, that piece of sound. It's not my decision who comes on uh, and not on all the time. With people like you, where I chase you around, <laughs> and I ask you very much to come on because I think it matters. That's my call. But he's not my concern, and you know that. What is my concern is I played that piece of sound because I want to give you the benefit to give well, answers I, I just in context. Just, because otherwise, people just beat you over Chris, the head with it. Play it, and I, I, it's very explainable. Well, I, I did play I'm it. They heard it. I am talking about a subpoena for documents, which doesn't take you out of your office, Rather than a subpoena for your person, which I never contemplated anyone would suggest. But that's exactly what opinion. they were asking Clinton to do. Yes, but Clinton Sit down and answer Clinton questions was about opposing this. it. I right, but he Clinton. eventually wound up sitting. And you say that legally that's because he had to. If you give me a subpoena and we negotiate terms and you withdraw the subpoena, I have not complied with the subpoena. The subpoena is now dead. But you wind up in the same place effectively, that, which is answering questions under oath. No problem, but with conditions. Now, fine. It, because there was... Lack of clarity after my statement, not just me, God Almighty, professors, whatever. The Justice Department wrote an opinion, which we're all bound by if we work for the Justice Department, which is you cannot issue criminal. They call it criminal process. Right. You can't issue criminal process to the president. End of story. Can't do it unless you change that opinion. If, if, if Mueller did it, the Justice Department could take the subpoena right back. Or you could just litigate it. Yeah, but right? You could subpoena him and you could litigate it. I'd go right to the attorney general. I'd say, Jeff, you know, put on big boy pants. And you go take it away. 
But he's recused from this. Then I go to Rosenstein and say, you want to try the big boy pants on for size? You put them on and you right. get rid of the subpoena. All right, and he so would have to do it or he'd have to quit. All right. So I hear where you are legally on that. We'll see what happens if, I don't think if that comes to that. pass. I just watched a Jake Tapper interview on one of those late night shows, too. Apparently, he has a remarkable sense of smell. Really? Yeah, he like um, he said, I have an uncanny sense of smell. I'm like, oh, yeah? And like Stephen Colbert's like, what do I have for lunch? He's like, you ate cat food. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, did you eat tuna? He's like, yeah, I had a tuna sandwich. He's like, how'd you know? He's like, well, I can smell it. And he's like, well, I brush my teeth and I put on cologne. He's like, yeah, that's not good enough. <laughs> for people like me and my brother, we, we have an uncanny sense of smell or something. By the way, speaking of sense of smell, your character in this, uh, the main character. Charlie Martyr, yeah. Charlie Martyr. Uh, he he's described as having a keen sense of smell. Yeah. Now I understand that you also have a keen. My sense brother of smell. and I both have very keen senses of smell. Like documented or just like. Uh... I have, we haven't gone to the to the Smith Center of olfactory gifts, if that's what you're referring to. Is that a real place? No. <laughs> Another lie. It's a fiction. Another lie. Another uh, lie. Yes. But we do have a really good sense of smell, and I have to tell you, uh, it's a curse. It's a curse. How so? Well, first of all, America, you need a mint. All of you. How do I smell right now? Did you have cat food for lunch? <laughs> what did you have for lunch? Did you have, honestly... Frisky did, buffet. No, honestly. Honestly, did you have tuna for lunch? I did. Yeah. But I've brushed my teeth and everything since then and put on deodorant. Which would be perfect for normal people. But, but I... But you have, have a superpower. I have a superpower. <laughs> And as I said, it is a curse. Wow. Whiskers. <laughs> okay. It, be it right. is relevant to the plot, though, I should point out. His sense of smell becomes relevant to the plot. Sure, yeah. sure. Is there a gas leak or something? I'm not, I'm not spoiling it of for course, anybody. Of course, of course. <laughs> That's interesting. But I, yeah. Yeah. Huh. But um, apparently he has that. Those people freak me out. People who can smell things. <laughs> Ashton's not really well. Ability. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. She's kind of superhuman with Keep it. Mind. Yeah. Yeah. She's allergic to a lot of yeah. stuff, though, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But huh. a lot of things yeah. are set her spidey senses off. Yeah. Well. Well, I know you, you read the Between the World and Me, right? I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I read the one after that, too. Uh, we were eight years in power. Okay. Um, I, now, okay. With Tallahassee Coates, I have a very complex relationship with him because I don't buy into the criticism of him that he was too blinded by Barack Obama's you know, centrist, uh, neoconservative or neoliberal, uh, liberal version or whatever of power that he didn't see his negative sides. I don't, I don't like the, 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 the radical left wing critique that, um, Interesting. people were blinded by Barack Obama's skin color and they didn't see that he was actually conservative guys. Mm. I don't buy into that exactly, I yeah. think. I don't even think that's necessarily what, what I remember Ta-Nehisi Coates saying about Barack Obama. What I remember him saying is that he was able to navigate a very 
tricky situation racially by believing in the fundamental goodness of white people because he did not grow up in, you know, he spent most of his childhood outside of the United States and the only white people he came into contact with, like his mom, his grandparents, were all positive influences on him. So, you know, and then you have ta Coates growing up in Baltimore, son of a Black Panther, you know, one of ten children, you know what I mean? Like, he has a very different view of the world because he came up, you know, differently. But they were both young black men, but two very different situations and do very different experiences of what that means and, you know, America and your family and everything. So, you know, basically his argument was that because Barack Obama did not have that upbringing where he, you know, fundamentally distrusted white people because, you know, this, that, and the third of all the institutional reasons you can come up with all around him, that he was able to thread that needle in a way that somebody else wouldn't so he got to be black but also also got to say i believe in you and not i'm not here to judge you um so i you know i think that's maybe that's a positive reading of barack obama but i don't think that's excusing everything i think he was just commenting on the fact that this guy was able to make this work for this reason you know well i mean let's not forget barack obama is half white i mean it's true he identified as black and that's you know his choice of course i mean Ever since, you know, the one-eighth rule or whatever, the octune or whatever, whatever that play was. One drop, one drop rule, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, that's his option. But I'm just saying, like, I mean, like, I don't know. It's, you know, identity and choice and uh, politics and uh, left-right and, uh, you know, neoliberal versus the, you know, whatever the new left is or whatever the... Left or whatever, but like I mean, like you got people like Jimmy Dore on TYT, which is almost made me stop watching TYT at this point. Actually, which is you know, it's a controversial statement to make because most of the people who comment on TYT videos anymore are people who are like Jimmy's right, Jenks an asshole. Oh, you're all so wrong. Jimmy's the only reason I still watch it. And stuff. But Jimmy's a fucking uh, he's an idiot. Like I'm sorry. Like I used to be Jimmy's biggest fan. But after after the election, he came down with a severe case of uh, Hillary Clinton derangement syndrome, <laughs> and I don't fucking like Hillary Clinton either. But this guy, he, 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 like, it extended from Hillary Clinton to Barack Obama. It's like, okay, Jimmy Dore, you run for president, you win, you be elected president, and you see how much you can get done with your uncompromising attitude. Mm-hmm. You won't get much done. And believe it or not, you know, your legacy depends on you getting something done. Hmm. And, um, you know, Barack Obama is not perfect, you know. Mm-hmm. He's going he's to turtle at this point. <laughs> not perfect. <laughs> I'd go a bit farther than that. It's like, <laughs> no, yeah, okay, whatever. But, like, I mean, you know, he was working within the context that he had to, you know, which is what every president has to do. And, like, <laughs> you're not going to find, like, I, I, you know, I don't know. So, my point is that, like, the there are critiques of Tallahassee Coates that that blame him. Like, I think, for example, uh, what's his name? What's the guy's name with the crazy hair? Uh, uh, Cornell West. Yeah. Okay. Cornell West had a critique of Tallahassee Coates, which, while I thought was intriguing, you know, their debate with each other, I didn't. I was more on. 
uh, as a coach side. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. think that what Cornell West came at him with was quite fair. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a little, a little, a little harsh. <laughs> it was. It was over the top. It was yeah. extreme. And frankly, the fact that a younger black man has a certain respect for Barack Obama, who, let's be real, Barack Obama broke all kinds of uh, historical, um, you know, barriers. Uh, you know, you you can't like. I, I don't know. I there were some things that Cornell West said that I agreed with, but that the overall gist of his argument that you know that 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 uh that uh, Tallahassee Coast was kind of a sellout for shilling for Obama or whatever I could not get on board with that I didn't I didn't buy that so mm-hmm. so my, my to, to the degree that I have any critique of Tallahassee Coast it's you know very nuanced and I'm not I'm not willing to jump on anybody's bandwagon who wants to who wants to slag on him or whatever but uh, I think there is a critique to be made, though. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, he definitely views everything through a certain lens, and, you know, it's pretty singularly, singularly focused, so, you know. But I don't think he's wrong a lot of the time. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I just, like, I mean, his thing about, like, I, I mean, I, I would have to read something, have read something within, of him within the last month to like really zero in on something. And I think the last thing I read was his Kanye defense, which was probably over a month ago. I don't know. But, but like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, in Mitchell, Indiana, we knew lots of white people who, you know, were not... You know, these are people who went from McDonald's to Walmart and got fired from both places. I mean, like, not people, I'm not, you know, like, I'm just saying, like, it's not like it's it's not like this, this is picnic out here for all the white people in the world where, you know, the job will always call you back and like, you know, this or that or whatever. It's like, I mean, these were people who had no intention of ever going to college. That was just not even a consideration of theirs, you know? Yeah. So it's. But that population know. of people wants that to still be true. They want to still be able to not go to college and still make a living wage and feel like they like well, earned it, even though I, they didn't. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, I mean, I don't know. That's even a it, making a living wage. What is that? I don't think that is even a concept of that. You know, to these people, you you work a bullshit job, and maybe you make some money, maybe you don't. But you know. I mean, I don't think there's any more concept of a living wage than there is in the, you know, the the ghettoist ghetto or whatever, you know, <laughs> like, I, I just don't think there's a racial element to it. I think there's a, there's a class element that is overlooked by people like Talnasi Coates who want to define everything through a certain prism, so to speak. Sure. But I think when you're ghettoized and you're separated from the rest of society and not given the same chances over and over, generation after generation, that does sort of reinforce that you're down here and you're going to stay down here. You know what I mean? Because what else are you going to do? But I, I, so. but I'm, my, my point is it's not even a ghetto thing. It's like there's people in Mitchell, Indiana like that. I mean... They're, you know, True, but there was redlining, there's segregation, there's institutional discrimination, 
it's laws, you know, all that stuff that has lasting consequences, I think. Okay, but redlining is a city thing, basically, right? Yeah, and most people live in cities. We're talking about Mitchell, Indiana, though. I guarantee there was redlining in Mitchell, Indiana. I will, I will find the the WPA map or whatever. Um, I bet it was along the railroad track too. Hmm. But like I'm saying, like there's a lot of people that we knew and we went to school with who they didn't. Their people didn't go to the the universities. They had no expectation of going to universities. They had an expectation of working at little bullshit jobs like Walmart or McDonald's for the rest of their lives and specking out a living that way. And it wasn't like, you know, they expected that they were going to get a decent living, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that has more to do with, like, you just not expecting much else from your life. But I, I'm saying that. I think that's that's a large... Uh, I think that's a part of the argument that Tallahassee Coates is making, is that, like, for some people, like, they don't have expectations and stuff because society is told there is no expectation and that's a function of race. And that may be true, but I think to say that there's no white people that have the same... I don't think I don't think yeah. he's saying there's no white people. I'm just saying that you roll the dice a hundred times and one side's going to come out slightly ahead than the other, and that adds up. I think that, that I'm is... I'm talking about sides. I'm talking about individual outcomes. Well, I'm talking about individual outcomes, too. I mean, if you just put a black-sounding name on a resume that's identical to a white-sounding name, the person with the white-sounding name gets called back, like, several times more, more likely to... That's those are the small things that add up. I'm not saying that one thing is going to hold someone down. If you're good enough, you'll get through somehow, probably. You know what I'm saying? But like that kind of thing, but, the, but the odds are stacked okay, against but, you. Is all I'm saying. But I'm saying like having a uh, quote unquote black sounding name was not even a thing in Mitchell, Indiana. It's like there were some black people in Mitchell, Indiana, but like. I don't know. Like, I'm just saying, like, I mean, you know, we can't compare Mitchell, Indiana to a major metropolitan area. <laughs> right, but like, more people live in a major metropolitan area than live in a place like Mitchell, Indiana. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, I mean, like, you know, like, to, to name names or something, like like a Jeremy Brashear is, you know, a star athlete at our school or something, a black guy, is going to get a job at the upper scale place more than a you know a jeremy lewis perhaps a white guy who had no aspirations for college or anything like that really i mean like uh, i don't know it's just i i'm just saying it comes down to class more than race in some cases and i think it's I think both that, i don't i don't i don't think we necessarily disagree i just think that you think it's either or and i think it's i think it's both but i think one is kind of a function of the other and the reason that we have it's all divisions from above to keep people fighting basically to not let them look up and see who's controlling them you know so that's really what it all boils down to but <laughs> yeah i don't know but I, i'm just saying like there have been articles i've read of Tallahassee Coates where he boils it down to one thing and he doesn't acknowledge the other thing or he pays lip service to the other thing, but he doesn't actually acknowledge it, really. Hmm. And I'm just saying, like, my lived experience in a place like a small town is that 
I don't know. I don't know. I'm too drunk to make a coherent argument. Really, <laughs> I haven't. I don't have the articles that I would want to cite on 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 tap here, so uh-huh. to speak. But um, no, I, I think I one I mean. one poignant essay from Tanya Tanahasi Coates is the first white president. If you've read that one, it's about Trump. You should you yeah, should read that. Sure one. I read that one. Yeah, that's a pretty but uh, I, yeah yeah. And I guess, I mean, from what I can recall, the point was not that Trump was the first white president, but he's the first president who was, you know, identifying as white and running on a white identity politics, mm-hmm. per se. And, mm-hmm. you know. And if people well, weren't excited by that, they were at least willing to overlook it for whatever reason. So. Yeah. Well, like I said, I used to be a huge Tallahassee Coates fan. I thought he was like one of the best things happening at the the Atlantic, but um, I've I've a little bit soured on him because some of the articles were just you know I don't know I I would have to I tell you what we're gonna have to re-record this because we're gonna have to do some readings of his backlog to to come up to be able to cite examples of exactly what he's saying and stuff and what exactly the critique might be or whatever but. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm I'm a fan. I also have criticisms, but I think he's a great writer. I think his fame is well deserved. I think all the comparisons to James Baldwin are apt. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just like I don't know. I think there's underclasses in society in America that you know. You know, Baltimore is a pretty big city. New York, Chicago, you know, Los Angeles, these are all big cities. Um, I don't think that Telnazi Coates has any idea what's going on in a place like Mitchell, Indiana, necessarily. Like, not that Mitchell is, like, you know, the bellwether for that type of city, but it's, it's a city that is to the degree that it's overlooked by places. I mean, like, I think we got our first mention in the New York Times or whatever ever when we had the huge uh, fire there a few weeks ago, mm. a month ago, mm-hmm. in the, uh, the, the uh, what do you call it? The uh, wood chipping plant, yeah. Wood chipping plant, which is like out there by my mom's place. But I asked my mom about it, and she said, well, I guess the wind is blowing north. But we're south of that, so we didn't get much of it at all. I got a crazy ass time right now because my fucking my former boss got fired. Mm. My new boss is incompetent, Uh-oh. and I've been at this job for six years, working my ass off. But like, apparently that doesn't count for much anymore. So, mm. yeah. So I'm in a dicey situation. Yeah, I, probably I need to find something else, huh? Yeah, I may have a job offer from one of the higher ups of the company who wants to hire me to his branch, but mm. like, I don't know, man. You know, I've been living here and working here for six, six and a half years, and it's like, I don't know, it's bullshit. But you'd still be in Korea though if you worked somewhere else, right? Yeah, but it's it's a uh, it wouldn't be that different. Well, to the, to the degree that I have people I know in this area, that I know the restaurants, that I know the places, that I've got a schedule down. Would you have to move? Yeah, I'd have to move like an hour north. 
northwest of here. I'd still be outside of Seoul, and I'd be a little bit farther outside of Seoul. Hmm. It's a whole new town. Hmm. And I don't know. Like, I know my area really well. It's understandable. I don't know. It doesn't get me closer to stability. No. What would get you closer to stability starting your own school? Hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Small business owner. Yeah, I'm thinking about starting a, uh, a joke t-shirt factory company or something. Yeah, Ash and I were thinking about doing the same thing, actually. Yeah. Because I've, I've got I've got jokes every day in class. I tell jokes that like Korean English jokes or something, English jokes. Like um, okay. Like I had the expression. Um, I was teaching a guy the expression the other day. A businessman. I was teaching him uh, uh, hammer out the details as an expression, right? An idiom or whatever, almost. Mm-hmm. And I said, and he wasn't getting. He's like, hammer, hammer. In Korean, hamul means seafood. Hmm. So I said, like, why do the two Korean businessmen go to the uh, seafood restaurant for their second meeting? And I don't know. Well, because they wanted to hamul out the details. <coughs> because hamul means seafood, but hammer out the details. Like, you know, the second meeting, you hammer out the details. <laughs> so that's like my joke. But obviously, these are extremely niche uh, T-shirts because they require a knowledge of English expressions, right? And as well as Congress pronunciation. <laughs> like, this is a very niche, limited uh, T-shirt market. I think you're working with. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think. What are some? I've had, I've had some pretty good jokes. Like everybody laughs at my jokes. I think they're stupid. They're like a bunch of puns and stuff, but like they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. A lot of them wind up on Facebook, so I'm yeah, I read them. a lot of them. Sure. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other good ones. There's a lot of them that I haven't published yet because they're <laughs> like somewhat sexual or something or ridiculous. <laughs> but, I don't know. Though. If you think about it, like I'm trying to think of a way where I could like do these shirts and send them. <clears throat> I mean, like a t-shirt company seems like a thing where you could you could set it up and you wouldn't have to have like a warehouse or a storefront. Yeah, you set it and forget it. That's what I'm about, yeah. And just just like send the t-shirt when somebody orders one. Just on demand. More money. Yeah. That's, that's, that's yeah. the way to do it. That ain't, that ain't working. Yeah, I need, to, I need to develop some more passive in-tip streams. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, look up Shopify and look up uh, Cafe Press. I think those are two businesses that can do what you're talking about. Okay. Cafe Press? Cafe Press. Oh, Press. Yeah. And uh, Shop Shopify would be like the online store. Hmm. And they have like free uh, trials and stuff. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by like a free trial? What do you mean by that? I mean they don't charge you anything to set the store up or sell things on it. Hmm. Okay. You know, I have to find a T-shirt printer in Korea or something where I could start doing. Yeah. Something. Yeah, you might have to find a good one for Korea. 
maybe find a, like a Korean business partner to have the business in their name, but like work out something where, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Well, give us one more good joke thing. before we go, Sha. Okay, hold on one second. Let me, let me <laughs> hold on. Let me. Okay, let me get out my my uh, notebook because I write down my good jokes in my notebook. Okay. We've definitely had a few recently that were. I don't know. Yeah, we may have to record like possibly tomorrow during the daytime or something because I'm. I realize I'm. I'm extremely drunk. I wasn't intending to drink soju, but I got pressured to drink soju tonight, which is not usually. Usually, I stick to the beer and I stay reasonably sober. But today was an <laughs> exceptional case. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Okay, sorry. I'm flipping through my papers now. Um, okay, like I was teaching elementary school kids. Okay. And one of them said, uh, okay, one of the, they said they were looking at a picture in the textbook. And said, the girl in the picture looks like Tata's girlfriend. And one of the other kids said, did you see Tata? And I said, Korean movie about gambling and criminals? Yeah, I saw it. They say, no, teacher. Uh, Dancha or something. It's like different pronunciation. Like, oh, uh, never mind. Because <laughs> the movie I saw was definitely rated R. <laughs> Sex, prostitution, drugs, etc. <laughs> but I don't know what they were actually talking about, but they like misled me. <laughs> Um, other things, other things. Hold on, I'm still flipping here. Oh, okay, one of my business women said, uh, let's see, what did she say? We got ethics training once a year from an Indian lawyer who was hired after a humongous ethics violation at the Indian branch of our company. I said, so you, so you all learned how not to accept bribes and stuff? And she said, no, none of us could understand his accent. <laughs> so we, we kind of got the, like the blind leading the blind. The Indian branch got pinged, and they tried to teach Korean corruption, but like Koreans couldn't understand them. <laughs> corruption continues unabated, I'm sure. <laughs> so that was that was fun. <laughs> premature ejaculation. I said, that can't possibly be true. They said, oh, never mind. Uh, manic depression. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you confuse the two? <laughs> Medical conditions. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh. Um, okay, there was another joke. Um, okay, so let's see. Um, I was talking about senility, senility, or something, and senile, right, as a disease, and 
the students were confused. What was that? What was that? And so I looked at them in Korean and I taught them the word in Korean too. <laughs> and then I made a joke. <clears throat> um, uh, huh. Let's see. Okay, so they, they, they said, so I said like um uh why did the elderly people uh go to Egypt for vacation? I said, I don't know why. I said because they wanted to senile. <laughs> <laughs> Get it? Oh yeah. Like the Nile River. Oh yeah. Senility. It's not just a uh, just not not just a river in Egypt. <laughs> That's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, when we were talking about giving way, you know, when police or uh, ambulance tries to pass you, you have to give way, right? To yield, basically, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. And so I was asking, do you give way when the ambulance is coming? And one guy said, I tried to give way to an ambulance because I think that they have patience. I said, actually, they don't.
If you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways to support it. Join the Rob Burgess Show mailing list. Go to tinyletter.com forward slash the Rob Burgess Show and type in your email address. Then respond to the automatic message. I have a Patreon account, which can be found at patreon.com forward slash Rob Burgess Show Patreon. I hope you'll consider supporting in any amount. Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review everywhere the podcast is available, including iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Facebook, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, and RSS. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. And if you have something to say, record a voice memo on your smartphone and send it to therobburgessshow at gmail.com. Include voice memo in the subject line of the email. Until next time.